Maybe Jesus had a magical crystal ball. Or maybe it was just simply because he was the son of God and knew such things. I like to think that it was because Jesus spent time with real people. Around tables, listening, experiencing life with them. Whatever the reason, the very last thing that Jesus does before he leaves that dinner party with his disciples in the Gospel of John is to pray for them. He prays that they may be one, they may be together, that they may be able to share that love that the Creator and Jesus have shared since the beginning of time. He prays that they may be one, because Jesus knows just how hard that is. And from that moment in time to the current one, just how hard it has been for the Christian church to be together. Think of the divisions. Think of the struggles and the conflicts, the wars over the centuries. The witness that the church gives to the love of God has not always been very clear. I asked Bible studies on Thursday this week. I said, do churches ever fight? Few people chuckled, and then they were embarrassed for chuckling and kind of looked down. Come on, folks, let's be honest. We fight as churches. Churches have this ability to kind of put the gospel aside for a moment and duke it out on a variety of other things. Everything from colors of carpets to the what we should be doing uh, with a coffee hour, all sorts of things to, to fight about. I says, why? Why? Think about those church conflicts. And then I also invited them to think also about those conflicts in families, because churches aren't the only groups that fight, right? Think about those colleagues at work. Think about those other situations and groupings of people in your life what makes people fight? They said, personalities. Yep, that'll do it. Get two people that are diametrically opposed on, on most things in life, and you put them on opposite sides, and you gather people around each, and you got a good old fight. Some said, well, maybe it's doctrinal differences. We have different ways of understanding who God is and how God relates to the world. We fight about those things. Okay. Others said money. Money, yeah. Which is part of why our church council is doing some advanced work and leadership as a congregation the end of next year. For the first time since 1988, we will be debt-free. There will be resources to do new ministry and to maybe do some ministry we've pushed off to the side. And the council is working on a plan that will involve us as a congregation. Next Sunday, we start a survey, which is part of gathering 
Where is God calling us as a church into the future? And we want to come to some common understandings about that. Because we have different ideas. And that's okay. But we want to work on that and work out some of that before we have money to make things just messy, right? When we think about what we need and when we compete with each other for different needs, conflicts arise in communities, in relationships. And Jesus prays for his disciples that that will not get in the way of what the church needs to do. The church needs to give a witness to God's love in this world. And that's why conflicts in the church are just so destructive. They drain the energy. They misplace the focus that ought to be on celebrating God's love and sharing that beyond the doors. That's the purpose of the church, to be a part of that graceful interaction between God and the world and to share in that joy and that work and that mission, to give witness to love. Notice when Jesus prays for his disciples, he doesn't pray that they will all agree. He doesn't pray that they will all confess in a certain way. He doesn't pray that they will be able to have certain things in common except for that basic gift of love. On that is what Jesus rests the church's unity. On that is what Jesus rests the church's mission to share in love, just as I have loved you. We did that as a church. Jesus' prayer helped us earlier in this season of Easter, when as a congregation, we came together and we worked on that great giveaway. People donated things. Lots of hours spent putting together an enormous free garage sale. And people from the community came in and they were amazed that we had just given it away. But not only were we given stuff away, we came and there was a large group of people that were present and sharing in welcome and kindness, compassion, the things of love, the things of Jesus with those we encountered that came into the building with empty hands and went out with arms full. And we helped carry things to the car. That's Jesus' dream, his prayer for the church coming true in our lives. We were able to share in that love of God. And we were able to share that love beyond ourselves. And we were able to be the church there is no more vision needed than that. The season of Easter comes to a close today. Actually, not today. We still have one full week. But when we gather again next week, there will be different colors and decorations, and we'll be in a different season of the church year.
The season of Easter is a good one to get us started into being the people of God, into living into that prayer that Jesus prayed for us, that we may be centered in his love, that we may be strengthened in fellowship and community that shares that love back and forward. Easter may be a seven-Sunday season, but it really is a way of living. It's a way of centering each day on that love of God that comes and resurrects all the places in our lives that are dead and dying, forgives those places where we are broken, where we turn inward, where we try to create the church in our own image. Easter is claiming God's centrality, God's presence in life, and celebrating that gift of love that just will not stop coming our way. That gift of love that comes and, and kind of seeps into all of our relationships. May we find that gift of Easter. May we share in that joy of Easter for each day as the unending season of life with God and in God's love continues. Amen.